With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's August 14th. We missed last week because a lightning storm took the power out of my house and we couldn't do the show, so we apologize. Um, This week has given us an opportunity, however, to wrangle the ever-elusive Adam Herman. I choked. Adam Herman to talk about his, uh, his prospect rankings, but... Before we get into that, this is Bantering the Blue Shirts. It is the best weekly podcast about the New York Rangers. Um, my name is Joe Fortunato. I am joined, as always, by my host, Michael the Whale Murphy. Mike? You've done. You've already choked on your own words. You called me your host instead of co-host, and you've insulted me. This is the first 48 seconds of the show, and you've well, done all these things wrong. Now we're at 51 seconds. Um, my percentage is getting better. Uh, and as I alluded to before, we are joined by Adam Herman. Adam, how are you doing? I've been worse. Let's see, there you go. We're already off to a roaring start. Um, not a ton going on. Not a ton is really going to go on for the next couple of weeks. Trevor City's coming up, isn't it? Uh, yeah. And like it's got to be right the end of August. About a month. Oh, is it really in September? Yeah, I think it's like September 9th, September wow. 10th or something. That's late, isn't any, it? Has there been anything on uh, Shumakov or no? No, I don't think so. Yeah, See, no, that was another thing we were going to talk That was like the only thing we were going to talk about last week. And it, uh, yeah. Adam is correct. September 7th to the 11th yeah. is the Traverse City Tournament, which feels late. When does camp open? I thought camp was the middle of September. Yeah, that's about right. Huh. I thought there's usually that's, a nice little nice little break between Traverse City and, and I mean if it ends the eleventh and training camp starts like fifteenth or so. Like that's, I, feel, I feel like that's close. It's a little close. Anyway. Um this has been a terrible start to the podcast, and I blame Mike. Adam Herman, prospect connoisseur for Blue Shirt Panther, did his uh, prospect rankings for the New York Rangers. You can find them. It is, I believe, the fifth pinned story has every single ranking that he did. He ranked the top 40. That is 40 prospects. And before we get into specific players, before we get into um, maybe some of the questions that we have, which we might sprinkle in live, Michael. We might not wait till the end. We might just uh, throw those in there. Um, Hot damn. Thoughts, Adam, on the prospects group this year versus years past that you have done this for us? Yeah, I mean, uh, in in years past, you kind of had to start making compromises of sorts, you know, once you got to number five or six in the rankings. And now... I didn't really reach that point until, you know, 15 or so. Um, so obviously that's a, that's a, you know, that's great news for rebuilding team number one, but especially, um, you know, considering that it was only 18 months ago that, you know, this was a team trying to win the Stanley cup, you know, um, and who had, who had traded, you know, a bunch of prospects along with four first round picks. 
So it's a pretty tremendous turnaround uh, over an extremely short period of time. And, you know, while I think uh, people are going to be, you know, disappointed to learn that this rebuild is not even close to over, they, they've made up, they've made up, uh, you know, tremendous ground. And um, they're ahead of some teams that, you know, had started rebuilding way earlier. So it, it's, a, it's a great start um, to the rebuild for sure. That's one of the things that I think we discussed and Mike and I have discussed at length is that the Rangers, and, and I've kind of made this point in various different articles that have gone up on Blue Shirt Banter, but the the point that I'm trying to make is the Rangers don't think they need to bottom out. So they, they feel like they bottomed out last year at the trade deadline and they skipped that process. And that's just not negotiable. You can negotiate whether or not you think that's true, but this is where the Rangers are. And the point that Adam continues to make is the Rangers are not doing all of this for an immediate turnaround rebuild. And I think the way that Gordon handled this offseason kind of proves that that's the case. So the only thing that I want to say, and I'll say it before I know Mike has a, a question for you that I'll let him go say and ask once I'm done, is just that the Rangers feel that they're in stage two of a rebuild, which is bottom out of yeah. stage one, and stage two is let's see what we can gather as we kind of try to grow the farm a little bit, grow the crops, if you will. And that's where the Rangers are right now. And they've gone from what is theoretically, I think, Adam, I, I'm going to agree with you, a bottom three prospect pool as of February of this year to, you know, Corey Pronman is doing his uh, he's doing his rankings for the athletic. I have a funny feeling the Rangers are going to finish. He had asked, like, where do you think people what your favorite team is going to finish? And I thought the Rangers were going to be anywhere from nine to 13 was my range. And for Gordon to do that from a team that probably like their best pro who was your number one last year? Was it Shea? No, nah, he was graduated at that point. I had I had Anderson. Um, oh, was, that's right. Uh, but, before Anderson yeah. and Heedle, it was like it was Shea and Buchnevich and Chesyorkin were really the only actual prospects. Yeah, Graves yeah. was up there, wasn't he? He was like in the yeah, top five. Had, that's I how will, crazy it was. I was looking at the 2016 list, which is only two years ago. Um, you know, I had I had Ryan Graves number three, and I I even wrote at the time that. Um, you know, look, that didn't work out. But nonetheless, I wrote at the time, you know, I think Ryan Graves can become a third pairing defenseman. And it was just that he was very close in his development. Mm. Um, and, you know, and that said a lot more about um, the, state of the state of the prospect pool uh, that, you know, a guy that I thought had a good chance of becoming a third pairing defenseman was so high up the list. You know, whereas now, um, you know, not quite the same, but similar-ish guys in Ryan Lindgren, or, or uh, Mike's John, favorite prospect, yeah, or John John Gilmore. Those guys are in my twenties, um, so it's it's a tremendous turnaround. And you know, here's I think the fun thing to look back on in hindsight is you know, at the time of the deadline, we were saying you know what a great job by the Rangers to you know ad- admit defeat so early and and you know not try to get one more run out of it, even though there were a lot of people who thought they should. Now we can see the first. Um, you know, consequences of that decision and they're positive. Uh, you look at the players I have ranked five through eight in my rankings. Those were all players. Niels Lundqvist, who was drafted with um, the pick from Tampa Bay. Keandre Miller uh, was drafted with the picks from uh, 
the the Rick Nash trade from Boston and then the the Grabner second round pick to trade up. Brett Howden, the McDonough trade, and then uh, Yegor Rykov in the Grabner trade. So that's prospects five through eight in my rankings that they're not in the prospect pool right now. Um, that that's They're not in the prospect pool if the Rangers don't make that decision, um, not to mention Libor Hayek at 11. So... So look, uh, we're we're starting to see the the benefit of the Rangers, you know, kind of kind of avoiding what a lot of teams deal with, which is kind of you know they rebuild because they're left with no choice. Um, you know, the Rangers kind of skip that step, and right now, we, like I said, they're they're miles ahead of where they where they could have been if if Jeff Gordon and the Rangers management were, you know, uh, a lot more emotional in their, in their decision-making or optimistic in their decision-making. So, yep. Mike, you had a question for Adam. I'm assuming about what he just discussed, but go ahead. Yeah. Well, I, I was curious about, you know, cause we, we when the rebuild was starting to happen, Adam, and you know, we, we look at history and it's, it feels like as a general rule, you want to take picks over prospects and trades, right? Yep. Um, because you don't really... If the teams are willing to give up prospects, that normally means that they've fallen out of love with them or you know they they consider them to be expendable, which is not mm-hmm. generally not a good, good thing. I'm curious how you feel, you know, as a group. I mean, it is kind of a, obviously a mixed bag in terms... I mean, yep. you know, Rob O'Gare is a part of the group. But, um, you know, how do you feel... As you know, with especially guys like Howden and you know Rikov, how do you feel about the group of prospects, not picks, that came back um, on the debt? You know, uh, all the deadline deals. Now that it's been a couple of months, and we have a better idea of who yeah. some of these guys are. Right. Yeah, I, I wrote on Twitter quickly if, you know, a week or so ago. I, I think Igor Rikov, the defenseman they got um, in the Grabner trade. I think uh, I understand the Devils' perspective on that, and that they didn't think they were going to be able to, or that at least it was going to be a hard uh, process to get them to come to the New Jersey, whereas that's, that's a lot easier for the Rangers just because of the appeal of the team, the appeal of the city. They now have a nice Russian conglomerate, um, of, you know, of players, but nonetheless, I think that's team going just to, Jorkins. yeah, exactly. And I, I think that's going to look really good down the line. Um, I, you look at the returns on, you know, what our we can debate Grabner's you know role is and his ability, but you know uh, we're optimistically talking about a middle six winger. Uh, you know those are guys who bring back second round picks by themselves and usually late second round picks. And you know to get I think it was forty forty eighth overall, forty seventh overall somewhere in that. I think it was forty eighth. You know plus a defenseman who has top four upside and you know not just a kind of what if upside, but this is a guy who's in his twenties and proving himself in the KHL. Um, that's an incredible return. Um, the McDonough and Miller trades kind of, uh, it's the opposite. I don't think, I don't think the Rangers blew it. I think Brett Howden is, is a really good prospect. I think, you know, as I wrote, I think you're looking at someone who could be a really great third line center or maybe, you know, fringe second line. Um, mm-hmm. Libor Hayek, as I wrote, I think number four upsides, what we're looking at there. To give up McDonough with a year left on his deal, and then you know JT Miller, good young player. Uh, do I think they got enough there? I'm not convinced. Mm-hmm. I also thought Tampa Bay had a few other prospects. Um, you know, everyone talks about Braden Point and Sergeyev. That was never realistic, but 
I like Boris Kachuk a lot. Uh, I think Taylor Radish is a good prospect. There are a few others. So I, I don't think they optimized it there. But, you know, I think as we discussed at the time of the trades that while obviously this wouldn't have been a smart strategy, if the Rangers had just gotten rid of all these players for nothing, it would have been a step in, in the right direction just because it would be admitting, hey, this isn't this isn't the group that's going to win us a cup. It's time to move on. So, yeah. so look, I think, you know, I think, uh, you know, as you said, you're, you're giving up upside when you're going for that's that's the trade-off is that yeah yeah you know when when you're talking about late first round picks and early second round picks these are guys who you know if you're drafting right they have first line you know top pairing upside but it's a it's a long ways off whereas you look at brett howden you look at yegor rikov you look at lieber hayek these are guys who you know no guarantees but they they look like strong possibilities very strong to be nhlers and you know not just fringe ones you know legit long nhl careers so i i think it could have gone worse i think it could have gone better but um, certainly, it, it stocked the the prospect pool. The Nash trade is another one where where Lindgren. I, I don't even know. I, I try to think back to the Nash trade and think about what the the centerpiece of that deal was, and I think it's the first round pick. To be honest with you, because yeah. look, Lindgren is an unbelievable skater, and I, I think that's something that Mike and I have talked about a lot, and it's something that I'm going to continue to talk about. The New York Rangers have a pretty specific draft strategy, and it is to get athletic players who are unbelievable skaters. And if you look at Kraftstoff, if you look at Ke'Andre Miller, if you look at Niles Lundqvist, um, even Lindgren, who's a fantastic skater, uh, Hayek as well, these are bigger players who can move. And that's not necessarily something that the Rangers were looking at even a couple of years ago. And one of the things that I think Adam has gotten some flack for, and uh, obviously time will tell, the the Hayek, Adam's not as high on Hayek as some other guys are. Um, some people agree with Adam. Some people don't. It's the, This is the nature of evaluating prospects. Um, but I do think that Brett Howden certainly maybe took a step up from what people expected him to be. Even Corey Pronman said that Howden, sort of his explosive season this year opened some eyes as well and I think the Rangers they obviously evaluate Hayek as a a can't miss guy since he was absolutely forced into that deal to be to even facilitate it in the first place and listen in the world junior championship and we need to avoid this short-term bias where you're looking at one specific tournament in just a couple of weeks and okay that's going to be the make or break but Hayek was the man for that Czech Republic team that yeah. uh, had a surprise bronze medal finish. I mean, he was playing, I think he averaged close to 30 minutes a night. He had over a point per game. He was just a monster, and that's the guy that the Rangers envision. And if that guy is there, great. Um, I've spoken to some people who think Hayek is that guy, and I've spoken to some people who agree with Adam that Hayek is a fine prospect. Nobody's saying that he's you know, a throwaway, but maybe more a number four guy than a number two guy, if you will. So I, I do, you, you have something to add on that? Well, just, you know, again, he looked very good at the World Junior Championships, but number one, he was a 19-year-old in a U-20 tournament. Number two, it's a small sample size. Uh, and, and number three, he looked good, but also he's getting 30 minutes because that check defense was brutal outside of him, you know? So it's kind of, uh, you know, a situation where if you have five Rob O'Garas and, and, you know, and one Brady Shea, Brady Shea's getting all the minutes, you know, regardless. We don't even of, want one Rob O'Gara. Right. Well, I, I digress. Five. I digress. Point being, you know, they, they played him 30 minutes cause they didn't really have much of a choice. So, 
Um, I, I, I think he has plenty of value, but I think that's also kind of that situation where he looked better because of what was around him or not around him. But I, I digress. Um, you know, the, the thing about the, the trades was that, um, as I already pointed out, these were necessary moves and it stocked the prospect pool, but the Rangers, you know, answer to the rebuild, they were, they were never going to get, you know, that one player that, that turned around the rebuild that makes or breaks the rebuild rebuild in the, in these trades, because that's just with, you know, with certain exceptions, that's just rarely how it works. You're not going to get a Brayden point. Yeah. Yeah. I mean like, you know, once in a while, you know, Calgary acquired Jerome McGinley for Joe Newendike, you know, once in a while that kind of thing happens, but you know that you can't bank on that. You're just trying to, you know, add, add, add numbers, add, quality players who can be you know long-term NHLers and then you gotta you know you can't you gotta find other ways to you know add the guy you think can be the, the best or the second best or third best player on your on you know on a Stanley Cup contender yeah and listen the Rangers totally I mean it's almost alarming how quickly they turn this around because something that Adam mentioned before that we were getting into Keandra or Lundqvist is the fifth-ranked prospect, and this is all according to Adam's rankings. Um, Keandre Miller was the sixth-ranked prospect. Hayek was the 11th-ranked prospect. Howden was seventh, if I remember correctly. Yes. So you have those four guys in the top 11 who are only here because of trades the Rangers made in February. Um, Oh, and I'm forgetting uh, Rikoff, who was... Nine or eight. eight. He was eighth. He was eight. So you're you're talking about these guys that are just thrust into the top ten of this system, and you're not even including Anthony D'Angelo, who the Rangers got a year prior, who's ninth. And I get it. There's certainly aspects and risks to each and every one of these players, but I don't understand the the anger towards what the Rangers have done. You may disagree with some of the players they got back. I think Adams brought up some good points about Hayek. He's brought up some good points about Howden. Um, Lindgren, we've kind of discussed ad nauseum on this podcast and in general is just, um, you know, it's it's interesting how players get hyped up for something they're not. It would not, be really great if Lindgren turns into a third pair D. Yeah, but that, and that's, you know, that's the point. Like, it's unbelievable. I saw somebody was arguing with me on Twitter the other day that he was like uh, – of Ryan McDonough light and it wasn't McDonough no. that they used as a comparison, but like a big guy who can throw hits and like is He's can put up offense though. and just that, no, that doesn't, <laughs> it, there's nothing you, you're not coming up with. You're just like pulling from the air, like fairy yeah. dust. It's the not thing, the way that yeah, it works. The thing I always say, you know, about that kind of thing and I, look like teams make mistakes. So we're not going to just directly appeal to authority and wipe our hands of it. But if Ryan Lindgren was this, you know, great top prospect like that, why are why is Boston acquiring Rick Nash? Why aren't they going after Pacioretty or or Eric Carlson or Mark Stone? You know, if that's the kind of package they were putting together there, they could get them. You know, and obviously, you know, we we are the you know we love Rick Nash here, so it's not about Nash himself. But why wouldn't they be going after you know a more significant player if that's what they had there? So that's you know, I, I find it very hard to believe that. Um, Again, teams make mistakes, but if, if Boston felt that he was that kind of player, um, and, and teams, and team, teams, always, and teams always value their own prospects and players more than other teams do, so if they felt Ryan Lindgren was that, you know, why would they be trading him for a you know, Rick Nash rental that they didn't even necessarily particularly need? So, you yeah, know, we'll you, see. But You pointed out in your prospect rankings that, you know, Lindgren, you know, I think people think two things. He can skate and he, you know, he's... A big, he can uh, hit. He's big and yeah, tough. And that's 
But the thing is, as you pointed out in when you talked about him, Adam, is this is a, he's six foot. I mean, this is not like a yeah. towering kid, right? Mm-hmm. This is not a like. I mean, I'm sure he's you know rock solid or whatever. You know, he he might already thick, have that kind nice of and thick. yeah adult frame. Yeah, but he's not exactly the biggest guy in the ice at six foot. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And the other thing that strikes me about him is that he's a left-handed D, and it feels like, in terms of the, like, from the scope of the organization, there's a lot there on the left side in terms of defensive prospects, which does not bode well for him having a future in the NHL. I'm not trying to write him off. I mean, he's 20. You know, let's not, I'm not trying to sink his ship before it gets out of the harbor here, but, like, I'm just a little, a little skeptical of him as a prospect, um... But again, as a whole, I'm I, I'm with you there. Like there was enough that they got back in all those trades where, like, there's no one from that group who's really sexy to me. Except you know I like Hayek a lot, but after reading you know the things you had to say about Rikov, I feel like okay, yeah, like I understand your perspective on that one. But with that being said, like prospects doesn't just mean you know first line wingers and first pair defense. Like you need. You need four good lines. You need yep. three good defensive players. Right. And uh, I feel like the Rangers did a good job just adding to a pool that was just god-awful. And as we've seen with, you know, the Wolfpack and all the crap that's been on the ice in Hartford for the last couple of years, like, this feels like this is a very big, like, it's not just a step in the right direction. It's like a, a long jump in the right direction from where we were even a year ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, the thing that, you know, I talk about a lot is, you know, people say, oh, well, you know, the Rangers shouldn't rebuild because look at the Islanders and look at the Oilers and look at the Sabres, you know, and, you know, they added these great players. And look at the Islanders who had the same number of points the Rangers did and look yeah. at where those two teams are since the Rangers made yeah. the di- divergence yeah, to sell. But, but not even that, you know, the point being like, oh, well, you know, why rebuild when it's not, you know, look, look at these teams that, you know, tried it and they, they're bad. The reason those teams are bad is because the Oilers added, you know, they added Jordan Eberle and Taylor Hall and, and Ryan Nugent Hopkins and, and that's it you know they they just kind of hoped that they were going to add these superstars and that was going to carry them they did not have too yeah they they did not have those those second tier prospects and those third tier prospects those guys that could you know be a good third line center and a good number four defenseman and and so yeah that's when i when i look at brett howden or yeager rikov or lieber hayek you know or even Lion Rundgren, those guys are going to fill in the cracks. You know, maybe not all of them, but it's a numbers game. Some of them are going to do that, and that's what you're hoping for there. You're not hoping, you know, these guys are going to, you know, have their numbers raised to the rafters in, in, in 20 years. It's it's that these are the you need to you know find your elite talent, and but once you do, you also need that depth, and that's what these guys can provide for the Rangers. That that can. You know that can be the difference between being the Islanders and, and wasting John Tavares's prime, or you know the difference between that or being a contender. And so I think the Rangers, you know, they they addressed that part of the equation through the trade deadline, and and now they kind of have to solve the other piece of it. 
And that's another good point, too, because when you think about, like like Mike said, you're not just stocking the farm of elite players, right? No team is doing that consistently. Yep. But if you look back at why the Rangers went to the Stanley Cup final in 2014, it was because of depth up and down the lineup. But more importantly, it was because of these players that they they kind of groomed into these roles. And one of the key examples that I give is Brian Boyle. Brian Boyle was an absolute staple on that fourth line with Dom Moore. It was one of the main reasons why the Rangers did what they did to get to where they got to. Mm-hmm. And I look at Tim Gettinger, who Adam has as his 15th ranked prospect, and I see a similar type player in him. And I think, Adam, you've actually made the comparison between the two players as well. I've, they kind yeah, of play actually, similar games. It was a scout who pointed that one out to me, actually, and it made total sense. But yeah. But you don't draft a guy like him in the fifth round expecting a, a top line player. And I don't think he's expected to be a top line player. But you have to, if you get those guys, and if he turns into a Brian Boyle type player for the New York Rangers, it's an immense success. That's a home run. So yeah. it's not just about the guys who are in the top five. And look, we can argue this, and I'll, I'll let Adam say this after I'm done. For all the flack that we gave about Anderson not being the BPA last year and being a player that, while a great prospect who you should be very excited about and is number three, I think, in the Rangers' prospect rankings, the Rangers sacrificed upside for polish. This year, the Rangers went for upside to an extreme. Yep. They had a Krofstoff ranked higher than everybody else. That's Again, at least they swung for talent. You can make whatever argument you want about him versus Wallstrom. The Rangers swung on talent. Ke'Andre Miller, there might not have been a bigger boom or bust pick in the first round. So again, you're going in that direction. You're going in that direction. And if your safe pick is Lundqvist, who was a 17-year-old playing in the SHL, yeah, again, the, I, I think the Rangers, you may disagree with the players the Rangers picked, I personally think the Rangers had a fantastic first round. I think they did exactly what we would have asked for them. I agree. When you look at it that way, Joe, it's like we criticized, you know, too safe or, you know, like you wanted the polished guy, you know what he is with Anderson last season, right? And then this time around, it's they swung for the fences with, you know, Kravtsov. They hope that's the guy who they knew something about that everyone else didn't. And then... Keandre is just, there's so much potential there. But, you know, there's also a chance that he just doesn't put it all together. But, like, in terms of athletics and character and, like, all these signs, you know, he's only been a defenseman for a short time. Like, there's a lot of just, like, the word is, like, raw, 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 right? Mm -hmm. Like, he needs development. But that's that's fine because he's a kid. And if it works out, it's going to be a great pick. And the more... I look at the third that first round as a whole those three prospects the more I've I've come I've kind of embraced the idea like yeah I might not agree with them taking you know craps off but like as a group considering where they went it makes it's pretty good to me it like I like enough about it the other just main point that I want to make that I think is really important, and Adam kind of brought this up, and I thought he said it very eloquently when he was discussing uh, Leah Sanderson. It's okay to criticize these players and be realistic about them without this nonsense of them being a bust, and Anderson seems to be the guy that gets lumped into this immensely, and one of the things that frustrates me is that if Anderson does not put up 50 points next year, and by 
all expectations he yeah. won't. No. There is going to be a portion of the fan base that is going to turn on him because they've been conditioned to think, yep. oh, he's the greatest thing in the world. Yep. And the flip side of that is that let's take Ty Ronning as an example, right? Mm -hmm. This is a guy who had 61 goals in 70 games last year in the WHL. Think about that for a minute. It's, it's unheard of levels of offense. Yeah. He's 22nd in Adams rankings. And there's a reason for that. You need to take everything into consideration with a player. And nobody's saying Anderson's going to be a bad player. Nobody's saying Anderson – The what turned into this, oh, he's a bust, was, quote-unquote, putting a ceiling of 60 points on him. Which, again, is – if he is a 60-point player, he is a fantastic hockey player. Yeah. But you need to be realistic about what it is you're looking at. And that's the other thing with Lindgren where, you know, you have these expectations that people have of, oh, this is going to be a guy who's going to be prowling the blue line. It's going to be, you know, Jeff Bukaboom. A, the game is different. And B, you've now set an expectation that's impossible to reach. And when they don't reach it, they're immediately a bust. Yeah. And we've gone up and down with hundreds of players, honestly, dozens of players have been put into that category. And it's insane. Buchnevich is in that category right now. As a bust, he's not as good as everybody thinks he is. And they're like the players that he's compared to in the per 60 metrics would blow your brains out. So I think as a whole, we need to be a little bit more realistic. And that's one of the reasons why I find it really funny when people are yelling at Adam or in the comments about how, you know, this player's ranked too low or this player's ranked too high or what are you doing with this? You need to be realistic about what you have. And you can say Anderson's going to be a – if Anderson's a, a fringe first-line center or if he's a second-line center, if he's a 60-point player, he's not a bust. That's It's a wonderful – you can be excited about him and think that's what his talent is and not think he's a bust and also think he was not the best player available yep. to be taken. And the reason I say that is because you can make the argument that Kravstoff was not the player to take at nine, that he should have taken Wallstrom. Gordon should have taken Wallstrom. The Rangers, for whatever reason, and this is something that I'm going to ask you about, Adam, seem to have a new direction where they want players who are playing in a men's league as an adult. If you look at a lot of the picks the Rangers are making from European leagues later on in the draft, it's similar type players who are in you know, a professional league on one level or another. Um, and obviously, Lundqvist and Kravstoff were the two big ones this year. But Anderson last year and Hita last year as well. The Rangers have made it a priority to take players who are playing in a men's league, and I don't, I don't think that's a stupid strategy at all. But again, just be aware that Krastov, he is what he is, and Wallstrom will be what he is, and Anderson will be what he is. You can believe all these things and still have the opinion that, huh, maybe that wasn't the player that should have been selected. And in terms of Kravstov, maybe I'm just the eternal optimist. He's really grown on me a lot. And I was desperate for Wallstrom. I was holding Kalen to make sure that I wouldn't have a meltdown if they didn't take Wallstrom. But it is what it is. But Adam, have you seen sort of that change in direction from the Rangers to looking to those professional, experienced players? Uh, yes and no. I mean... Look, I think if Quinn Hughes is on the board at, at nine, they're taking Quinn Hughes. I mean, he well, he played college, so not quite junior, but not exactly men's league either. Um, but I, I think it, it's a case-by-case -case basis. I, I think certainly the Rangers look at what Lundqvist and, and uh, Kravtsov did against men. Um, 
and say, you know, look, if they're doing that now, what's it going to be in, in five years? I, I think both have tremendous upside. Um, so, so yeah, I, I think it, it, and you know, of course, Heedle and Anderson, when you're, when you're looking to kind of hedge your bet, um, and Anderson aside, I don't think they, I don't think they're hedging a bet per se in terms of, um, leaving upside on the table when that, when you're looking at Heedle or Kravtsov or, or, you know, kind of Lundqvist, but it's a lot easier. It's a lot easier to feel confident in a guy who's holding his own against the top players in the world outside the NHL, you know, versus like, you know, um, guys who are beating up on, on teenagers in, in junior, um, so certainly I, I see the, the rationale there, though. You know, it won't surprise me next year if the Rangers go for, you know, um, two guys in the USHL, if that just happens to be the guys who are best, you know, the top players at that time. So I, I think there's definitely merit to it. Adam, outside of your top 11, because I'm, yep. I'm cutting Hayek out of this, okay. what prospect do you think is the highest overall ceiling? You stole my idea, Jeff. I did. I took your question. That's a good one. First, let me just backtrack a bit. I forgot to say something I wanted to say, which is that, you know, I had I had I had Wallstrom fifth. I think I think it was fifth in my rankings, and I had I had Kravtsov fourteenth. That that outside of Lundqvist, that's the pick I have the least issue with um, of all the picks. If I could, you know, redo the draft for the Rangers in in the way I wanted to, yeah, I think that would be one of the last picks I would touch. So I, I think you know we'll see. Wallstrom would have been my pick, but I don't really. I have no problem there. Um, they so, swung on talent. You know what yeah, I mean? Like exact, you can make yeah. whatever argument you want. You can say that there was a different player on the board, but they they actually swung on talent. Yep. It, this was yeah. not like a, oh he's a leader or like the stuff that you heard about Anderson, where no one was really talking about his game last yep. year. Everybody was talking about like the intangibles, which yep. again great, but you can get a guy like that in the sixth, seventh, or undrafted. Yep. But. They swung on talent. You might disagree Absolutely. with it. It may not work out. But in the moment, right now, before we know anything, it's a defensible pick. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. And with with Anderson, it was kind of there were two, three, four guys on the board, you know. And with with Kravtsov, it's Wallstrom. Wallstrom aside, I think Kravtsov was a perfectly good pick. He might have been my pick there. But I, I digress. As to the question, who outside? I think it was the top. What'd you say? Top? Eleven. Because I want to. I want to cut off Hayek. Sure. Sure. Okay. Who has the highest uh, ceiling? Highest ceiling. Honestly, if you include Hayek in there, he doesn't have the highest ceiling, I don't think. But uh, oh boy, let me look at my list. Yeah, it's it's probably you know it, goalies are kind of weird because they're just kind of their own enigma. But Adam Huska, yeah, Adam Huska is probably has the highest goalie, yeah. ceiling. I think he can be an all-star goaltender. Um, and I think you look at NHL goaltenders, you look at the top guys, it's, it's you know, Igor Shostorkin and Thatcher Demko in, in Vancouver and Ilya Samsonov for Washington. I, I think Huska is in that second tier. You know, he's not an elite goaltending prospect, but I, I think he's a guy who, you know, is a legit goaltending prospect and um, can be an all-star goaltender. I've heard great things from, you know, people in the goaltending community um, I, from my own eyes you know what I've seen. I've seen data on him that I don't think anyone has access to, uh, and he he is just absolutely phenomenal. And kind of the scary thing is that you know this is a guy who is playing uh, in Slovakia, which isn't at this point in time not a great uh, developer of, of talent. He was playing in the USHL for an okay USHL team, 
and then he's with Yukon Hockey, which I'll do, you know, no do all due respect to them. It's, you know, they're not a powerhouse. And even still, this is college coaching. You got a lot of part-time or volunteer coaches working with the goaltenders. So if he's this good now and he's still incredibly raw, what can he do once he's in a professional environment with, with daily coaching from a, a professional um, goaltending coach? So, so I, I think for him, to... it's, he's, he's got the highest ceiling of all right, if you have to take a skater, Adam. Sure. I want, I want to hear about a skater. Sure, fair enough. Goalies are voodoo. Yeah, goalies are voodoo. Although, although can think, we just, before yeah. you answer that question for Mike, that alone, I think, needs to highlight how awful the Olaf Limbaum pick was yeah. oh, in, God, at, yeah. at 39. Because the, of all the picks, that's the one that drives me up the wall. If thing. you look at the Rangers prospect pool right now, and Adam's done a wonderful job kind of laying it out, just Yorkin was taken in the fourth round. I mean, think about that. And that's even even that is theoretically high for a goalie, you know, all things considered. Husko was taken in what? I think it was the seventh fifth round. round. Seventh round. Or, oh, he was the seventh round. Oh, yeah. even further back. Um, if you, and Mike oh, and I did yeah. this, if you go back through the picks that the Rangers have made super high for a goalie, Dan Blackburn, which didn't work out. You can make the argument that it's because of the, you know, I think he had a, what, he had a nerve issue, didn't he? He got hit yeah, with a puck or something. Yeah. Yeah. He had a nerve issue in his hand. Um, oh my God. I forget, Halverson. Halverson was a second round pick that Montoya, again, yeah. didn't work out. Montoya again, didn't work out. So you don't have to go. It's kind of like running backs in football. Yeah. You don't have to go early to get these guys. Yeah. Huska theoretically is an NHL goaltender taken in the seventh round. And you look at all the talent the Rangers there's left no on the need. board, and the Rangers traded a second round pick to get Miller. Yeah, there's just and no they used the one they had on a goalie and passed up on a slew of falling first round talent. Mm-hmm. It is inexcusable, and I don't care. Like I wish, Lin- and this is another thing. Like I wish you can believe that and still wish Limbaum the best, and he's still the 19th best prospect in the Rangers system according to Adam. But it's an awful pick. It's an awful pick. And I don't care that Benoit Lair loved the pick because who was it? Antoine Lafleur. Yeah. Lafleur was taken in the second round, yeah, and that, he was another the, one that Alaire was like jumping up and down. The Rangers got him. I don't even know if he played in an AHL game. That's, that's not, not true. true. It's not true. I have it on like as good of authority as there can be. I'll leave it at that. But, okay, but but we nonetheless it was reported that that, that was said. I'm yeah, not making well, that up. No, 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 I believe you. I'm just saying okay. I have it on as good just of authority sure. as there possibly can be. Cuz I actually I hear about the skater. Yeah, right. Yeah. Back to the I just wanted to yeah. make that point. Point being you it. can you can add goaltenders in in bulk through, you know, cheaply and, you know. Yeah, like, absolutely. And, and that's Plus I had to give Adam that. time to think, Mike. You're yeah. just throwing these bullet questions out. I, I asked him that question like 20 minutes sure. ago, Joe. Yeah. He's not uh, ready. I'm ready. It's He's ready. You know, this is kind of, you know, maybe a part of a bigger discussion in terms of where the Rangers need to go from here, but there's not a ton of high upside after. There's plenty of upside in that top 10, but mm-hmm. um, after that, I think that's kind of an issue the Rangers need to look at is, you know, um, I look at, you know, for instance, the Toronto Maple Leafs, they have a guy like Jeremy Bracco, who's he's not in their top 10, maybe, but he has high upside. And the Rangers kind of need to fill their ranks with that. You know, I didn't love their second and third round picks this year. And that's kind of where you can address that. Those guys in the, you know, 13 to 20 range who, you know, can have that. Oh, hey, like if things go right, it's not, you know, likely, but they have that upside. But anyway, uh, I, I guess it's still Sean Day. 
Um, you know, is I was going to say, Dave. Is, is he going to be, you know, an all-star defenseman? I, I, at this point, I would say no, probably not. But it's just the things that he can do, you can't teach. The way he skates, the way he carries the puck, you, you just can't teach that, you know? So, um, I look at he's him. A, he has all the tools in the toolbox. Yeah, and he that's just doesn't of, know how to use the tools. He's the kind of guy, I, you know, I think, kind of develop when we talk about development and coaching and such like i think that's very overrated i think for a lot of guys it's you know like, like jt miller was gonna be an, an, a very good nhl player i don't think there was anything that you know you can look at what he did in the ohl and in hartford where he was fine-tuning parts of his game and and maybe that's the difference between him being a 55 point player or a 48 point player but i think for a lot of guys it's you know they're gonna be what they're gonna be but i look at sean day He's the kind of guy that coaching can make or break him. I fully believe that. I think coaching can decide whether he's a number three defenseman or whether he's in the ECHL uh, in three years. So that'll be an interesting one for sure to see um, in in Hartford. I, I'm guessing he's going to be in Hartford this year, and it'll be very interesting mm-hmm. to see how he adapts to that and how the Rangers are able to um, take his talents and, and turn him into the kind of player he can he could be. Hmm. Mike, did you raise your hand for a reason? <laughs> oh, uh, I was. I had a, it's kind of a random question. Like sure. I was gonna say after the the Lindbaum pick, yeah. the Lindbaum pick. I know Nico Gross was a pretty unpopular pick in the fourth mm-hmm. round, right? Yep. yep. Is that would you, would you would you say that you took the most like? Oh, I, no. I don't want to put words. I have an out. answer to this question. We tore into him already. The correct yeah. answer to this question. Well, yeah, I was wondering, like, if Lin, the, the Lindbaum pick at the second round at 39th overall was, like, let's say that was, if you could redo any pick, right? Yeah. Um, but then again, you know, maybe that might not make as much sense to phrase it that way, because you could get a player that you like a lot more in the first round. But yeah, the th- or well, even the, at the 39. Biggest, yeah, the I biggest think, yeah. swing and miss after Lindbaum. Do you think that's Nico Gross in the fourth? Uh, well, pound for pound, I think it's... Uh, Simon Shelberg in the yeah, sixth drag round. Yeah, drag look, him right through the mud. Let's people, do it. You know, people are yeah. going to say, you know, oh, it's the sixth round. Who cares? Blah, blah, blah. Well, first, again, I'm saying pound for pound, right? But you right. know what? Yeah, I, I need to add worst. something to that, though. The Rangers passed on Liam Kirk yeah, well, to I mean, make this I can, selection. I can run and, down and, a whole list of players, and that's the thing is, like, look, six-round picks are, are long shots, but – you don't want a guy who's, you know, kind of written off on day one. You want that to be, okay, yeah. you know, like if in, you know, if, if it's in two years, you know, all right, this guy didn't kind of turn out into anything. Well, like, you know, I look at someone like Brad Morrison a few years ago or, you know, I'm trying to look at my list to see who's in the Rangers system that might yeah, fit yeah. that. Well, it's, we just made the point about not having those high upside guys Right, you, you like, gun for them if you, you can. can yeah. swing for the fences. Yeah, in, he, in those late rounds, you can. Helberg was a, where, a scout yeah. son who literally you could have either taken in the seventh round, or sign you don't him take him draft, at all and you yeah. sign him after the draft, and then he's well, still in the system and you didn't waste a damn draft pick on him. Well, it's just like uh, I mean, again, you look at the comparables for him. You're looking, we're looking at a guy that like, hey, if he beats the odds, he's becoming a number seventh defense. He's Henrik Talinder if he beats yeah, well, every like, odd possible. It's, but it's, but, but I digress. You know, it's you don't want to pick a guy that on day one is is written off. You know, no, even if exactly. that, you just you want you want to give yourself a chance. That's it. Um, and 
that's I, I don't think they gave them, themselves a chance with that pick. You know. Ugh, God, um, that makes so, me so mad. So, so that's so what it is. Was Nico Gross your third least favorite pick then? <laughs> so, um, yeah, rank your rank the picks in descending order of worst yeah, reverse. To yeah, like how, I will yeah, say this. Yeah, I, I know you were, and I was kind of with you. Joey Keane seemed to be an unpopular selection when the Rangers made it. Yeah. Um, some of the underlying metrics of his, at least from that, the tracking data from Mitch Brown are fantastic. And again, we're using I'm using Corey Pronman as an example. There are certainly people who have other opinions, but um, Corey was impressed with him again. Super small sample yeah. um, in the quick uh, tournament this summer. Right. So. You know, again, that's a defendable pick. You know what I mean? The Rangers obviously see something. He's a little bit of an overage. He still put up good numbers. His underlying numbers were great. Let's all hope that they looked at the underlying numbers because that means they're taking a step in the right direction. Yeah, Gross was someone that the Rangers were reportedly interested in like like two months before the draft. Adam, even Ross Cohen, who is uh, uh, one of the prospects, is a friend of the site. Um, made a comment. He had reported that the Rangers were interested in him, and Adam's like, "Why?" Yeah, and you, like, w- there's nothing he brings to the table that makes. I think I only gave when I did my draft my draft grades. Uh, I think I gave him a D, maybe an F. Yeah. I don't know. I definitely gave Kelberg Helberg an F. But like, the Rangers like him because of his size. He was a captain for the Swiss team, and even you know he played a little bit of Swiss professional hockey. I think he was in the B League. Yeah. And that's great. And then that did not even come close to translating to the yeah. OHL he's level, which is shocking. Though. I mean, yeah, yeah he's good. He's decent. He's not big, but he's not small, and he he uses his size well. And I, I don't think I don't think he's a total throwaway. I think he can become a third pairing defenseman. But you know, again, mm-hmm. number one, they should be going for higher upside, and the, there's still players with higher upside. Yeah, uh, you sh- in the again. Fourth round, you can still. If if, if your if your fourth round pick becomes a third pairing defenseman in the NHL, like fantastic. If that's yeah, the end result, but on yeah. on day one, that should not be the the optimistic outlook. Yeah. you know, I look at then, Tim Gettinger. You know, that's a guy that I thought. You know, they when the Rangers drafted him, this is a guy who had twenty goal potential, maybe borderline second round line ability, and you know he's not yeah, going to yeah. turn out into that. But that's the, you want that that safety net. That's you know the point is on day one. This should be you should be thinking more. Uh, with with Nico Gross, he skates well, and the one the one kind of saving grace there or hope the last hope with him is that it's tough to be a seventeen year old one you know moving to a completely different part of the world um, by yourself with no one around you that you know living with strangers playing on a smaller rink playing for a completely new team. Um, and you know Swiss development is not that great. And I think Corey Promen made this point that you look at a lot of guys who come from those kind of countries where they're not traditional hockey markets, and it, it takes them a while to really, um, you know, hit their gear. So if there's one saving grace, or is that hey, like we haven't seen the best of them yet. I'm still not yeah. convinced what the best will be is something meaningful. But as opposed to Jelleberg, I think there's kind of that you know hey, like let's wait and see aspect to it and, and again um, it's it's okay to think this way yeah. and to still be rooting for them to succeed yeah of course yeah that's, that's... Uh, no one's rooting against him i mean the the point that i was going to make was as good of a first day as i thought the rangers had as good as friday was saturday really could not have gone any worse yeah. yep rounds two through seven 
the the best pick the Rangers made, and I'm I'm not including Joey Keane because I didn't like it at the time, was Riley Hughes because he was a huge upside pick that they got in the seventh round. Yeah, yeah. And you know somebody that everybody, a few of the talking heads thought was one of the biggest sleepers in the draft. Yeah. So like great, and there were players mixed in there that you know are not terrible picks. It's just the Rangers did so much reaching, and yeah. if the Rangers don't take Lindbaum and they take a kill Thomas yep. or Ryan McLeod yep. or who else, you know, Bode Wild, whatever it is, any of those three players that were available at 39, and the Rangers do every other pick the same way, you can defend it because they use their first four picks on quality players. Yep. It was the goalie at 39 that just really threw the whole second day off and just, yep. hoof. Anyway, yep. we, we should get to questions because we have a thousand of them. Right. Um, this one is from last week, but I have to read it. Johnny Alo, who is Johnny a patron, Alo. he wants to know the story of Mike fighting a dog with pennies. But oh. the other reason why I'm reading this is because he was listening to the episode, episode 102, which was the most recent one, and got a ticket for listening to it. Oh. So listen to us in the car but like put the phone down anyway the story of mike with the pennies is basically there was a giant dog like in the sandlot um except the neighbor had a fence that the dog I'd love d- i would love to know why you're telling my child do you want to tell it I, well you're no right. now you have to how about i, I tell to... it i'll tell it yeah adam will yeah, tell go it. ahead adam yeah. adam will tell it <laughs> i don't know this story yeah i figured so. i know it really well though go ahead mike i want to hear it from your mouth all right i'm at my cousin's house and my cousins decide to... Do you remember the old Nerf bow and arrow? Yeah, like, uh, I do. And so Quality toy. Yep. The neighbor next door uh, has a huge dog. It's a St. Bernard. And, you know, I don't know if you've seen the Beethoven movies, but it's a very, very large dog, especially for, for kids. Anyway, this part of my family, the cousins were like the outdoorsy people. The Murphys are like bookish and not athletic, and we don't like the sun. Uh, but these are the cousins where one of my cousins, I, I came home from school to see him sharpening uh, a long stick on my driveway into a spear and then <laughs> taking an, a normal leaf, like any old leaf, and then a poison ivy leaf and rubbing poison ivy on the top of the spear. Chemical <laughs> warfare, nice. To add another element to this. And uh, like those, that's the, sci- the sort of people this was. They're a different, a different ter- sort of person. Anyway, my aunt gave me a tin, a Band-Aid tin filled with pennies. And I was just standing in the yard because I hadn't been around dogs before. My parents wisely didn't trust me to raise anything uh, like a dog. It was a good decision. Um, But my brother and older cousins were running around trying to hunt this animal. And I'm just standing in the driveway. It was a really long driveway that went uphill, holding this penny terrified among pine trees on either side of me, like a lane of trees. And I just slowly turned because I thought I heard something and just passing right in front of me is just this whoosh of brown and white fur. And I just remember just rattling the pennies like rapidly and realizing it's not doing a damn thing. But that's that's all I really remember. I don't remember anything other than that moment of pure, just unfiltered fear. It's, it's just terror of just all I have to keep this this beast away from me. Is pennies in a tin can. Uh, Why didn't you throw it at it? Because uh, he needed the, the noise. He needed true the lie. noise. 
the pennies are supposed to be something the owners train this dog with. Like, it's a noise it was supposed to respond to. Did no. you, like, know this, or were you just like, oh, like, was, that sounds like something that's true? No, I was told this, and oh, okay. I believed it at face value. I, I, was I will a young tell child. you that is a, a very common training right, tool no, sure, for dogs sure. because the high pitch of the pennies hitting against the tin bothers their ears. Yeah. This dog um, gave no fucks at all. <laughs> it just, he could not have cared less that I was rattling pennies at It just at attacked him. you. That's, that's really one of the greatest stories ever told. It's like turning podcast. and seeing like a velociraptor just uh, but my, my issue though, like your cousin who was poisoning the doing the poison ivy thing, the only person, he, like the dog, it's just going to get on the dog's fur and then it's going to infect the people. I didn't say the, this cousin was hunt, hunting this dog with a spear. They were hunting it with bone, a Nerf bone arrow. Yeah, but also, like, let's say the dog gets, like, infected with poison ivy. Like, it's not going Again. to be, like, it's not going to be, one, like, an immediate thing. And, two, it's not going to be, like, oh, wait, that's the guy who gave me poison ivy. I'm be- I better never go over there again. <laughs> Again, you're, you're judging the, these actions of children as adults. <laughs> that's that's correct. That is, that is not fair to do. No, I think um, it's absolutely fair. As the judge and jury on this, I'm going to give this scenario. dog poison ivy like that. I will 100% allow <laughs> I, this. I will reiterate again. The spear was unrelated to this dog. The, the, the poison ivy spear was being prepared for a separate dog. I see how the spear part works. Like, oh, like that's going to make an immediate impact. Like That dog's going to be hurt, and it's going to know, oh, like I just got hurt going near that kid. But, but it's it not going to register, like, I got, I got itchy, you know, t- 48 hours later. So, wait, I here's the might most important spear. question. You, there were two dogs on the loose? No, this is, there's so many more layers to this story, and we have so many questions to get to. <laughs> yeah, but um, I, I, I do want to know at least a quick version. All right, the quick version of the others, the, the spear, is uh, the house that I grew up in, next to us, they were, like, tore down the forest like the woods that were that became the other houses on my block mm-hmm. and there were just like mounds of dirt like you know like they had bulldozed these mounds of dirt and my brothers and cousins because we all grew up in the same town we i was my cousin i'm trying to not use names here uh probably for I, the best I, yeah i once used i told the seagull story on our on our like other podcast the silly podcast and i realized like oh these people have children now um they need to but, know these on these mounds of dirt we would be running from dirt mound to dirt mound and like my brothers and older cousins would like push us down it was very lord of the flies it was very intense and at some point we started to steal building materials from these neighboring uh from this construction site next to our house and building a clubhouse and the workers would come in the morning see all the wood was gone tear down our clubhouse and then when we discovered this, we would be furious. So we began preparing weapons and leaving <laughs> notes for them. Like, I remember specifically, we had, like, Happy Meal toys of, like, Cabbage Patch Kids. And we popped off all the heads and glued them <laughs> on a row staring at the building site. Of, like, don't, don't touch our clubhouse. Can you, can you just imagine for a minute being one of the workers, coming to work, like, you're, you're already pissed. It's raining outside. It's 6 in the morning. You get out. Like, the, just the crack ass of dawn is coming over the horizon. And you're greeted with, like, yeah. eight just Cabbage Patch Kids heads staring at you. A hundred dollars of wood missing. Just from the insane kids that live in the house. 
Yeah. Uh, I would never go back. I would immediately quit. I don't think yeah, that's... I, but I was young enough, I just had to go along with it. No, of course, just, no. But mm, I have to say, there's absolute a level of brilliance that yeah, I just it's cannot... Somewhere along the line, there was a small dog involved. And for whatever reason, I think the spear was meant for the dog, but don't, don't hurt dogs. <laughs> dogs shouldn't be speared for it. But I'm pretty sure it was like a Scottish terrier, which, you know, a little Scotty, which is just a dog you could literally punt through a field goal. Uh, yeah, I'm, we're the biggest uh, we're the biggest dog supporters here. Yeah, Adam has Hank. I do. I have Stanley. So Mike loves all dogs. Mike does love all dogs, but sometimes you know you just have to spear a dog. I guess. No. Shana Hazuki. Shana yeah. does have. Some. Um. Oh my God, that was that question. That was totally worth. You know what? I hope that was worth your ticket, buddy. Oh God, it absolutely was. Oh boy, that story was even better than what you told. <laughs> Even better, which is... Yeah, it's funny, like, when you have little snapshots, and I remember, I think I was the one who had to glue these little Cabbage Patch kid heads onto, like, a 2x4. And then, like, using, like, you know, like, those markers, you would pop them and they smelled like berry, blue? Like, I had to write, like, a threatening note in, like, berry (laughs) marker on this 2x4, like, stop touching our clubhouse! Just period, it, which makes it all the creepier. It's like well, not, I'll tell no you what's profanity. even better. Just don't touch the clubhouse, period. What's even better is that in five or six years, somebody's going to renovate that house, and they're going to bust the walls open, mm, they're and they're going to see a two-by-four pipe that's going to say, yeah. don't touch our clubhouse, and they're going to be like, little, what, what haunting here. happened here? <laughs> yeah, they're never going to come back. Um, God's name happened. Oh, did property. you see the story about uh, the guy, the woman, and the guy were re-renovating renovated. their bathroom, renovated, and yeah. they ripped the wall open, and there was a, an Asian yeah, couple with a picture with a rabbit, right, or some type of an yeah. animal, and it was oh, like, hey, we're the people who renovated this bathroom. What? What we did wasn't good enough for you? Which is just the single greatest, creepiest way to go about leaving some memory of yourself in a home. I actually gutted our house and uh, we found lube and cartoon porn in the ceilings. Nice. <laughs> so In the ceiling? In the ceiling and a, an envelope oh. that I was convinced was full of money that was actually full of like court citations that the previous owner oh. just absolutely A little different on. than money. So, yeah, I thought I was like, oh, this is the greatest I thing I really ever. hope you had on several a, layers of glove. Uh, the the depravity the of the photos. Some of them were real porn and some of them were like hentai. Mm-hmm. Hentai? What hentai. is it? Hentai? hentai? I think it's hentai. Um, yeah, it was, it was insane. And this was like a 60-year-old man. So, in the attic. Oh. Not even the attic, actually. The basement ceiling. Sounds like he had a young soul. A young heart. A young heart, yes. Okay. That was amazing. Next. The, whole, the entire time of that was amazing. Next question. Um, Larry Bubbs. Should we be concerned about Kravstoff being a flash in the pan from his KHL performance in the playoffs last year? Adam, we'll defer to you on that one. Uh, the answer is yes. Uh, that's a legitimate possibility. And uh, that's... I don't say this as like a, as a way to admonish the Rangers or anything, but like that's that's just a reality of... Look, if he did that for an entire season, he would have gone, you know, third overall at worst. So that, yeah, that's yeah, that's that's gone. that's the the give and take of it is that, you know, with upside comes uncertainty. Is that's you know um, the risk you take. Yeah. So that's what they did. They they went for upside, and 
fully like you know we we discussed this earlier but you look at like no you know there was Noah Dobson or Evan Bouchard on the board those are guys who are very comfortably going to be top four defensemen in the NHL um, mm-hmm. but uh, the, the Rangers, Rangers went for a guy like with Anderson you miss out on that yeah the Rangers that high the Rangers went for tier. a guy that could conceivably be you know the second best maybe even first but top forward on a on a contender yeah they want yeah. they went for the game breaker so where they picked so that you can't yeah. you can't but that is the risk that is the give yeah, and it's take the, it's the million you know, dollar the, question the scales of yeah. justice if you will yeah. um could end up with the yeah yeah you because you know and just the other point the rangers seem to believe that playoff performance proves that yeah. extra gear because Anderson's yeah. playoffs in the SHL two years ago mm-hmm. were a big reason why the Rangers ended up yeah. making him the selection. Yep. So, and I wholeheartedly disagree with that. Yeah, I would that I'd philosophically. Fully agree. But the, the other yeah. thing with Kravtsov is that, you know, especially with these uh, these players playing in the top men's leagues where they're, they're kind of in limited roles. Um, so, Scouts, you know, it's it, what it, what do we have here? It's it's hard to say. So they heavily rely on the junior tournaments to to gauge it, where they're playing against teenagers, players, you know, more age appropriate competition, yeah, peers, right? Yeah. So that's kind of like the you can kind of get that context. All right. Well, here's how he looks against these peers. Kravtsov barely played any of these games. He he was not. Mm. He was um, he was stupid. You know, stupidly not a part of Russia's. World Junior Championship U twenty World Junior Championship team, and they they didn't exactly look great for that decision because they completely busted out of the tournament. Uh, he was too old for um, for the U eighteen World Championships, um, I believe. Uh, so it's a really unique case. In yeah, and then there was other there's other yeah. politics uh, going on regards oh, to other right. oh he was too old for the for the five nations in february so um or rather four nations but point being like there wasn't that kind of context that kind of buffer to say all right well here's we have this even if it's a small sample here's how you know these 10 games how he looked against age appropriate players rangers or any other team they didn't have that that uh to fall back on with Kravtsov. so they're re- it's really going in um with a high level of uncertainty in what they have here. And that's kind of where the statistical research is important. Talking to his coaches. I looked, I looked at his numbers um, in, in Russian juniors the year before and they weren't mind blowing, but they were within range of Nikita Kucherov of Pavel Buchnevich. Um, yeah. I think I'm, I did that comparison. Forgetting one other, but point being like it, I, I don't think it's a situation where like, Hey, here's a bad prospect who, you know, kind or not, you know, here's a not great prospect who just had, you know, the greatest two months of his life and that screwed the Rangers. I don't think it's like that. Um, I, I think certainly it, it was a justified selection that in the area. We'll just, it's that uncertainty is kind of, they're, they're going to live and die by it. Yeah. It makes it fun. It yeah, it, it definitely does. Um, let's see. Jim Dangles. Mm-hmm. Jim Dangles. What prospects are you most excited to see at Traverse City? Uh, okay, so most excited to see. I'll interpret that to mean wh- which players do I think I can learn about the most? Sure, because just change the entire like, because like look like if you know. Um, no, you um, answer how you want. Yeah, well, no, I'm just this saying like there are certain players. Like it. It's like I enjoy watching this player play hockey. 
Yeah, you know? but, but there's like, more like, I, who, I, who won't be there? Kravstov isn't going to be there. Lot, Miller's not going to be there. A lot of guys are not going to be there. Uh, Lundqvist isn't going to be there. So right away, you're the, the yeah. first three picks of this year's draft. I mean, Ty Ronning seems to be, I think like, because he also asks who will lead the team in points. Like, yeah. Ronning is going to be the most, like, is Hayek going to be there? Yeah, he'll be there for sure. Howden might be Howden there, I guess. Howden will for sure be there. Um, and then it's, I don't know, will Ronnie, so maybe will, will Pionk be there? I don't know. Will, will, will Hedl and Anderson? I don't think D'Angelo will, but Hedl and Anderson might be, um, Pionk. Would you send either of them? I don't know if I would. Uh, it depends on fit. How, how are they in terms of fit? Anderson has played such. so much hockey. That's the thing year. there. Um, I could see it being beneficial for Hedl just because he didn't do it last year. Um, if Heedle's there, he's going to lead the team in points. Yeah, I'll, that's I'll yeah. Make that and it, right you're looking for different things out of like what what are you trying to do with the tournament, right? Like it's it's different things for different players. For some, it's you want to see them in certain situations. For some, it's like a an introduction to like, hey, like you tore a you know junior hockey. Now here's how it is against real competition. It's kind of a wake up type call type thing, like an introduction to reality. For some players, it's about fitness and such. So it, 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 there's a lot of factors there. So uh, I don't know which player am I most excited to see. Um, maybe maybe Joey Keane because he Ooh, he's Keen kind of he's kind of that player that like hey he can really elevate himself into you know not just being just another prospect if he he's kind of in that territory where he has the ability the potential to really do do a phenomenal job that tournament and, and really boost his his. Um, his stock so maybe I, w- I would say he's a good he's a good answer for that I, I would think Howden and Hayek would be the two that you could really get a good look at you know what I mean where they're not yeah. playing in the juniors and um yeah I know both of them played in they, the world juniors yeah you also but, have that world juniors you know yeah. experience and you have you know a bunch of seasons in junior hockey to fall back on um and just uh, for me personally again like I've seen plenty of them so for me, a guy like Joey Keane, you know, like one of the more, someone who has more to prove. Um, you know, so I think him, who else is on this list? Maybe, maybe Lindgren, because again, he's a kind of guy. Lindgren was Mike's answer. Yeah, he's a guy, again, a guy who God can say it. like, hey, I'm just not, I'm not just another prospect. Like I'm going to enter training camp, um, a meaningful player. Because look, the Rangers, it doesn't make or break a player. But it certainly sets the tone. I mean, the the beginning of the end for Alexei Beraglazov last year was he looked absolutely terrible in Traverse City, and yeah, you know, if he looked good in training camp, that would have been whatever. But it sets the tone for sure, and it, it changes how the Rangers will, um, you know, they teams like to say, yeah, we give everyone a chance, but that's just not realistic. You have so many bodies in camp and so many decisions to make. You have you to see what you could do. You have to. You have to. You know, kind of prioritize your focus and energy so this is kind of that first step like hey who's going to separate themselves so i want to i don't think how you know howden and hayek like the rangers know what they have there you know those guys you want to see them play well but you know that they they're they're going to enter training camp meaningful prospects anyway i for for this tournament it's kind of who's the guy that's kind of just in the in the middle of the pack that has the ability to um you know, put himself forward and make himself a more meaningful name entering training camp. So I look at Joey Keane, not because he's going to make the roster this year. He's going to the OHL, but in terms of his stock, he can improve that dramatically for sure. And Lynn Grin, if he wants to become a serious contender for a roster spot, you know, that's kind of, he's going to have to get out the gate. 
um, you know, looking great. So I, yeah. I look at those two. And it's harder to judge players like Lindgren too because yeah. you're not expecting the offense. So it's not exactly a tournament where a defenseman can prove their defensive um, toolbox. Yeah, but. Traverse City, look, they, they do very basic systems because you have a bunch of guys who, you know, Never first played of all, together yeah, before. like a lot of them are new to the organization and you have like five days to say, hey, here's what we're doing. You know, you don't have time to run intricate systems and you don't really want to anyway. You just kind of want to see, hey, who has this individual ability? How can they fit into basic structures? So you're really, you're looking for that kind of individual, uh, like, oh, this guy had a good shift here doing this individual thing. So I like this next question. Alex Khalifa, outside of MSG, what is your favorite venue for watching live hockey of any kind? Mike, we're starting with you. I'm biased. And I like, you're... I like watching. I like going. I have the advantage of being a member of the media and covering the NWHL. Mm-hmm. So I get to watch games pretty much wherever I want to. The NWHL is pretty lax with where the media goes, so. I just watch games like right up against the glass near the penalty box and hear players chirp at each other. So that's a lot of fun for me, which is the Barnabas Health Hockey House, which is the practice rink of the Devils at the Prudential Center. Adam? Yeah, this isn't a great question for me because I honestly have not been to that many rinks. Here we go. I've, I've been, been obviously. I've been here's at, the sob story. Mass, there's no sob stories. Madison Square Garden, Nassau Coliseum, the old, uh, not the Prudential Center, the Continental Airlines Arena. That was a dump. Oh. Uh, you want to hear something crazy? I've about been to the Verizon Center. I guess I'll say Verizon Center just because I don't have that many options. Joseph Fortunato has never seen a professional hockey game not at Madison Square Garden. Wow. Never once. However. Yes. That's amazing. I'm going to say my Quinnipiac Bobcats. Mm-hmm. I love love watching games from the bank, but I'm going to give a little uh, I'm going to give a little bit of a betrayal answer here. Ingles, which is where Yale plays, mm-hmm. is one of the coolest hockey arenas on the planet. It's, it's all wood. wood. Yeah, the wood. top looks like an, literally the underside of like a Viking ship. And it's so intimate that it's loud. And we used to go there for Quinnipiac Yale games and it was an unbelievable experience and the corner boards the the boards are a foot lower than regulation so you could legitimately get killed by a puck which is fun um before we get into the next question you know what else is fun michael a good night sleep oh you see you knew exactly where i was going with this one casper products are cleverly designed to mimic human curves providing supportive comfort for all kinds of bodies which includes mike's all kinds deliciously firm and strong body adam's string beanie bottom and my melon shaped bottom body I said bottom. I didn't mean to say bottom. I meant to say body. That's that. Um, inappropriate. You spend HR one third here. of your life sleeping. I am HR. Actually, we've been through that too. You spend one third of your life sleeping, so you should be comfortable when you do it. Spend you know the money. Too? But here's the good news: you don't have to spend as much money using Casper. You can get the Casper, which is the original Casper mattress, which combines multiple supportive memory foams for a quality sleep surface with the right amount of both sink and bounce. They have over 20,000 reviews and, and an average of 4.8 stars against Casper, Amazon, and Google. Casper is becoming the internet's favorite mattress. You, listening right now, yes, wow. you should subscribe to us, give us five stars, and leave a nice comment. Um, there are affordable prices because Casper cuts out the middleman and sells directly to, once again, you. Hassle-free returns if you're not completely satisfied. And free shipping and returns in the United States and Canada, which you may be listening to because this is a 
Hockey Podcast. I want to make this clear. Never once has the Casper Mattress Company sacrificed a small child to to appease an old pagan god. Correct. They've never done that. Wow. Never once have they done that. Right to your door. They'll deliver the mattress right to your door in a small, how do they do that, They've never smuggled blood diamonds out of of Africa through their mattresses. They've never done any of that. But if you go to Casper.com slash Blue Shirt Banter, (laughs) Casper.com slash Blue Shirt Banter, and use the promo code Blue Shirt Banter, you will get $50 towards select mattresses. Terms and conditions do apply. Once again, that is Casper.com slash Blue Shirt Banter. The promo code is Blue Shirt Banter. They've never developed nuclear weapons. You know, I'm amazed that like we cannot get million dollar sponsorships just because of like look at these polished, uninterrupted. They're unbelievably, unbelievably. You spend a polished. third of your life sleeping on a mattress, and then think of all the time you spend trying to make a baby on a mattress. That's also true. You need the sink and the bounce. It, that's the either you know with the push someone and else the or motion. by yourself. God. You know. As somebody who has had sex once in my life and created a child, at least once, could have been proof. in vitro. It could, it 100% could have been, but I'm not going to tell you that that's true because that ruins my mm. I'm not a virgin blogger mentality. Um, Aiden Barr, given the Rangers' prospect depth, do you think Mark Stahl finishes his contract with the Rangers? Yes. I think that's a different question yeah. because different who cares about Dang. the prospect depth? Stahl is still bad. But I, for where the Rangers are right now, it really doesn't make sense to buy him out. That's where right. buying that's him where out hurts more than holding on to him for two yeah. more years. Or, yeah, I think just I think hold on and let it. Happen. I think where it could get a bit interesting, and it's a matter of if not, or it's a matter of when, not if. But it could yeah. the sooner it becomes like uh, more uncomfortable, the sooner I have to deal with it. Like right now, they have plausible deniability in that. Like we we all know he stinks, but like. The Rangers could say, oh, you know, he's still in his early 30s. And, you know, the Rangers don't have that many players just, you know, pushing at the door. They have a lot of players in contention for roster spots, but they don't have a lot of guys where it's like, all right, this guy needs to be on the NHL roster. Like, you do not have a choice. In a year, that could, you know, depending on how things go with the number of players, that could be the case. It could be the case in six months, you know, into the season. It could be the case a year in, 18 months. But point being... That's kind of how I think that could factor into it is once the Rangers have to say, like, look, once there we, needs to we, be we spot, need a spot yeah. open, like, you're not going to mm-hmm. be, you're, you're going to sit in the press box. Like, we don't want you there. You don't want to be there. Like, we got, let, you know, let's, let's deal with this. I think that's how that can factor in. Yeah, but I think when you, you, when we talk about that, there's also, I think, something to be said about, I feel like this organization is not going to be able to escape the, oh, we need a leader for all these kids. Yeah, yeah, but, like, the thing I brought up also, like, forget about, like, that concept aside. Like, it, it's it's just sure. so hard to have the worst player on your team, you know, say, like, after, you know, a 6-1 loss or whatever. Hey, like, we need to be yeah, better, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Like, it's just... That message is <laughs> that message is just gonna ring hollow, you know. And I'm sure people it are. Is. I'm sure like day to day at practice with pointers or on the road, like yeah, for sure he can, you know. I'm sure, he's a very good guy and he can provide that kind of presence. But at the end of the day, you know, uh, there's a reason that pl- there are never fourth line captains, or there rarely are. You know, it's yeah. teams. Your leaders have to be players who are producing for you and who are. Uh, not just good speakers and good, 
you know, on, on, on the airplane guys. and in the hotel room, but they, they've got to, you know, provide leadership on the ice. And so, well, if you believe uh, the Rangers internally, they haven't had a ton of guys who have been good speakers as captains. Yeah, past, well, a couple of captains. So. Yeah. Joe M., Mike, what's the number one way that you or I would eventually physically harm each other? The number one way? I'm going to say a spear covered in poison ivy. <laughs> wow. That's my answer. Also, gonna... his more important question, who has ruined the podcast more over the years? And it's 100% I think, me. I, would, I think what I would do is I would be like, Joe, I, I, I feel anxious. I, I, just hold me. And then you would hold me, and then I would bite you right in the throat. I'd go straight for your carotid artery. That's, you know what? That's and just let your warm blood fill my mouth. That's what the dog would do. Spit your own blood into your eyes and blind you, and then just just keep doing that. I think I think okay. Mike would just rattle a tin can full of pennies. Yeah, and, and, uh, it wouldn't work, but I would run away <laughs> eventually anyway. And then your um, hands, my hands would smell from the pennies. Clem Fandago. I know the odds of a majority. Uh, ugh, I know the odds of majority of making. Okay, this is worded strange. I know the odds of a major- I'm going to guess. I know the odds of a majority of them making it to free agency, but if they do, when New York Rangers can only get one free agent next season, okay. based on what you think the New York Rangers' needs are, would you prefer Panarin, uh, Sagan, Carlson, Stone, or Duchesne? Yeah, it's Panarin, Panarin. for me, and it gets, by, yeah, it's Panarin not even me. it's not even close. Like no, I don't listen. I, I, I don't, get that Carlson is the sexy pick. He has half an ankle. He's also he has one older and a half ankles on and, his body. And yeah. I don't people don't realize how good Panarin is. Like Yeah, Panarin Panarin is, Panarin's one of like the top ten players so in the good. NHL. He's he's, he's un- twenty six. He's today. unbelievable in yeah. every way in terms of point production, in terms of like the underlying numbers and I don't like I I have seen like the, and the here's, I've seen the pre shot data. Like he's he just drives offense in a way so yeah, few. He can players. carry a line. Like I think the it's, best part about yeah. Panarin is that he's Supposedly wants to come to the Rangers, yeah. but Columbus has less than a month to trade him where he will talk about future contracts. Yep. And if they don't, so he he's says, hitting free agency. So he says. Well, well wouldn't you make that claim? Yeah, if you were but like, him? look, if, uh, if Columbus says to him, hey, the Rangers called, they want well, to make sure, a trade. Well, sure, the Rangers and, are, it's different. Well, that's my point is like, I think it's a softer deadline. I think totally he's going to say, look, I don't want to talk contract out like the season I want to just focus on hockey, but like I think at some point down the road, if it, hey, like here's this team that really likes you and they're ready to offer X amount of money, you know, like that's that's the other thing. But yeah, sure, Columbus is on a short lease. I I think he he's gonna he's gonna hit free agency. I think he will. Last question, mm. Jeff D. Cast two name? Rangers in a remake of a buddy movie of your choosing. Two past. I'm gonna Rangers? choose step. Let's let's do let's do. Uh, Step Brothers. And I feel like Zuccarello's got to be one. Yeah. Probably. There's a lot of silence here. No one, no one agrees with me on uh, that? I guess. It, I'm just thinking of what other movies. I'm thinking Step of. Step Brothers is just like so. Like, it's like the easy answer. You know what I mean? It is I the easy answer. It's the Rangers roster mm. from last season. And you, I'm just turning this question on its on its head. We do, well, we you do can Mean Girls. It, Let's do Mean you, Girls. I was gonna say you do the movie Alive, which is about a plane that crashes in the mountains, and then they run out of resources. They begin to eat people. That's There's Lord of the Flies, team, I believe. Well, no, it's also the movie called Alive. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like oh, like here's this movie, and the plot is that. Uh, you know, I think it's based on something that actually happened. Though I think it is. It's on the. Isn't it a soccer team, Manchester yep. City or Manchester United? 
No. Didn't what? they have a plane crash? Uh, yeah, yeah. Everyone no. died. It's a seven. They didn't. Yeah, oh, everyone died. Yeah, they didn't land on an island and go Lord of the Flies. No, 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 no. no. I'm talking about Mike's movie Alive, not no. Lord of the Flies. Because yeah, did they all die? Saying... Right. Or... No. No, he was saying they survived and like had to eat people. Like, yeah, I thought that happened. I thought. I no, thought the Manchester United the... soccer team did not it was eat a each Uru... other to stay alive. It is a Uruguayan rugby team that crashed. In 1970. Okay, that may be what I'm thinking. Did they have to eat each other? Oh yeah. They yeah, that's what I'm good. thinking of. And I knew that I there think, was also a terrible plane count. crash with the. Yeah, Zuccarello would survive. Wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm, I'm sorry. I just I need to I need to hit the timeout button here for a second. God damn it! A, a very friendly question of what buddy, buddy movie, movie has now know. turned into? You want to see who Zuccarello is going to eat to survive? Yeah, with tears freezing on his face from, <laughs> from the high altitude, and he has is, to, the, is the dog there? Yeah, the dog's going to be there. The do- okay, because the you'd Bernard. probably eat it's, him it's first because you're mountains. a monster. It is a dog of the mountains. It'll naturally be there. It'll probably bring Zook, you know, a little little barrel veil around. It. How about forgetting? Sa- oh, I got it. Forgetting Sarah Marshall, Zuccarello and Broussard. That's not a buddy movie. That's yeah, well, we're changing the whole thing now. We're changing the whole. Mike turns it on his head. He's talking about cannibalism, where Zuccarello has to forget about Broussard. Oh. Well, I'm Agnes, a fan of that one. I think Agnes that's a great would be idea. Better because he has much more long flowing hair. Yeah, I know. But Zook and Broussard were the they were the original boys. The bromance. What a totally unsatisfying answer we gave to that question. Like, wow. You didn't I'm even sorry. answer. You haven't yeah, even given well, an I answer. I want it to be Mean Girls. All right, fine. Mean Girls. Who's your cast? Well, obviously, Zuccarello is in there. Like, that's just no matter yeah. what your movie is. It has to I be Zook. It could be I Am Legend, you know, like, whatever. Zuccarello's, Zuccarello's girl. Zuccarello's I mean, in, in Mike's fantasy, Zuccarello's <laughs> eating other rangers, so yeah. well, it do- doesn't necessarily need Will to be Smith a positive has to kill thing. kill his own dog, I'm saying. My God. Yeah, anyway. All right. Well, Zuccarello. Zuccarello. I don't know. Who is... I'm just trying to tie it back to dog death. I'm sorry. <sighs> Zuccarello. Who else is in there? Well, then everybody else is bad. There is. I think they're bad. I don't know. I think the buddy movie is Kreider and Booch because of the fun language thing. And because Booch is just. That would be a, so overplayed guy. after like the first scene, though. Well, it's it's a Hollywood movie. It's What do you want from I'm, me? I'm 100%. I'm trying to make an action movie where. Forgetting Derek Broussard. Where Zuccarello falls in love with Henrik Lundqvist. That's terrible. That's the that's, that's the so uh, awful. Mila Kunis. That's not, no, I, it's I not think, even you know funny. what? It's not even funny. I, it's not supposed to be funny. It's a movie about him getting over a very close friend who broke up with him. It's, forgetting Sarah Marshall's a comedy. It's not. Yeah, a, I'm aware it's not a drama. It is, th- this new. Th- I'm changing. You know what? It is going to be funny. It's going to be hysterical. <laughs> you just I've can't seen see it. Buddy movies. I, I just can't know. see it. God. I mean, Step Brothers. Jesus. Step Brothers, I thought, was the easy answer. It is. Yeah, That's what then I'm saying. Adam made me feel bad about myself. Yeah. You know what? I changed my mind. <laughs> I hope you with... would change your mind. All right. You need to leave me alone. Stop being a bully. We have company on this show. <laughs> I'm going to say Tommy Boy is the movie. Never seen that one either. Yeah. God damn it. God damn it. Yeah. Forget it. I'm done. I'm Mystery sorry. Alaska with Zuccarello. Your a, question deserved better. That's not a buddy better. movie at all. Your question deserved better. We failed you. <laughs> Please buy a Casper mattress. Uh, How's Guy from Speaking Montana of failing doing? you, Alex Gardner, Alexander Ricard, Armael Kissinger, 
Kistner, sorry. Guy from Andre Shikagoff, Anthony Viola, Arch Williams, Bob Kawa, Chris B., Chris Habibi, Dan Carosi, Daniel DeGem, Danny Santiago, David L. Singer, Eric Cohn, Fancy Lawrence, Gabriel Vargas, 50, Grumpy Smokey, Igor Zatlowski, James Dangles, John J. Porter, John Reppy, Johnny Alo, Keith Franchillo, Matt Bader, Guy from Montana, yes. Michael Silvers, yeah. Mike Offit, Robert Courtney, Sean Taggart, Stink Fleeman, Tall Guy Robert, Thomas Osa, Trevor Robert. Kempner, and Zachary Zetlin. Zachary Thank you all for donating. You all rock. What about what? Zachary yeah. Zetlin should be the admiral of a space fleet. <laughs> Fancy Lawrence and Tall Guy Robert are without a doubt. Well, yeah. What about, That's the buddy movie what about, we need. No, what about, like, Shawshank Redemption? Like, who's who's helping Lundquist escape? Like, who's sacrificing the body? Oh, God. That, oh, and, see, and, Adam, see, this is and good. And Mignot is the warden. Job. Like, who's who's the one, you know? Yeah, Red. Who's the one, well, wait know, a minute. Red, can, can, Red can we and can we swap this out for a second, though? What if Vigneault's the warden and Buchnevich is the prisoner? Buchnevich? No, no. It's got to be Lundquist, man. He's, he's... Right, what you need to do is Lundquist is red. Lundquist he's could be Morgan there. Freeman. He's been there too long, right? Yeah. You need Andy Dufresne is the young guy who's come in to save him, like to, to connect him to his, his heart again. Oh, God. Who's that? I don't think that's anyone. So who's a young guy or a, rel- a guy who's joined the team that has a connection with Hank? That is put into somewhere he doesn't deserve, which is a rebuild. It's kind of Anderson. He's, uh, I wouldn't say he's in a position he doesn't deserve. No, but he, no. he knows Hank yeah. and he's a young guy. Yeah, but... Who else are you getting on that list? Maybe... I don't know, man. I'm going to say it's Kevin Schattenkirk. Schattenkirk is fine, but he didn't know him. Yeah, but that's not like a... I can't, I can't see Schattenkirk and Lundquist, like hugging it out like, Yo, man, like, I did this for you. I mean, it's you just know Hank bully. would climb through the just the tunnel of poop and come yeah. out well, perfectly. What if we? What if we? What side? if we just retrodate it to like? Because the Rangers were kind of similar kind of crap in like 2009, 2010, you know, and then suddenly they became good. Put Eric Christensen so. on there? No, he's not. God, I would, who's who's the one who saves like Lundqvist in like 2012? Is it Brad Richards? It's probably Brad Richards. No, Brad Richards isn't a terrible... Gabrick? Gabrick's not a bad choice either. He was gone, though. He was gone. Ricky Nash. Yeah, you're right. He well, was gone. He was gone there for the 2012 then. season. He was really good. But I don't yeah, well, that's... that's Maybe Nash, where... but like, they didn't have that buddy. Maybe it's Zuccarello. Well, like, Andy and Red weren't, like, playing badminton in the goddamn prison yard. No, but, like, no. they had that, like, deep, like... Camaraderie? Yeah, like, that deep like mutual like understanding of like hey like we're in this together like that that sacrifice yeah all right well i think we're and then they were building boats together in saint montanejo yeah forgetting forgetting where they lived uh all right thank you all for listening we appreciate it uh you can go buy a mattress you can find us on spreaker now actually we're moving away from blog talk radio so um. Yeah. Joe, why are we moving away from Block Talk Radio? Because Spreaker's better. All right, we will uh, take that Block Talk Radio. Yeah, talk to thank you, all. you Adam, for joining us. Block Talk Radio, actually, and yeah. for answering our questions. Yeah, thank you. And good night, everybody. Mike is a whale.